What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Next Generation Podcast. We're your hosts. My name is Blake. And I am Will. And today we are going to be discussing how, how SpaceX is saving Ukraine. So, you might be wondering, how is SpaceX saving Ukraine? So, SpaceX owns a company called Starlink. Um, Starlink is an internet service provider, like AT&T or Verizon, um, and they are de- developed and manufactured by SpaceX. So, unlike most companies that use cell towers, these people, SpaceX, uses satellites. Yeah, so as of March, there are about 4,161 Starlink satellites currently in orbit. Approximately. I mean, it's more now. That's how much it was in March. Um, And obviously, new ones launch every week or so. So, half of the satellites in orbit are Starlink. So, ever launched. and Yeah, which is pretty pretty crazy. crazy. I mean, so many things in our daily lives are happened because of satellites. You may not realize it, but it's true. TV, all that kind of stuff. So, to think that half of all the satellites in orbit are Starlink satellites is pretty crazy. And the fact that you probably never heard of Starlink is even crazier. Yeah. Um, so you can get Starlink for yourself. It, all you need to get is a small dish that points itself at the sky, um, and it tracks all the satellites that go past the sky, and they send internet to your devices. However, Starlink isn't like your traditional satellite. So you want to talk about how they're different? Yeah, so the traditional geostationary satellite orbits at geostationary orbit, which is about 22,000 miles from the surface of the Earth. And geostationary orbit is the point at which, when you orbit, you stay over a specific point on Earth. So we talked about this in our episode about space elevators. Yeah, and we actually you can actually run a test on this. We should leave the website in like the show notes. Yeah, we'll get to that. But geostationary orbit is a certain height at which, when you're orbiting, you're going at the same speed as, at which the Earth is rotating. So, if you have a satellite in geostationary orbit, it's going to be, like, directly over a certain area. The whole time. Exactly. But if you have a satellite that's lower or higher, it's going to move around and and not stay over a certain place. So, they normally use geostationary orbit because it's more reliable and, like, it just stays in the same area. Exactly. However, like we touched on, it's 22,000 miles above their surface, which is a really, really far away. And even though signals can travel really fast... That is still quite a long yeah. di- large distance to discover. So the true benefit of Starlink is that there are so many of them. Um, that means that Starlink can orbit much lower than the traditional geostationary satellite. Um, at about they orbit at about three hundred and forty miles compared to twenty two thousand. It's pretty ridiculous how low they are. They're in Leo, which stands for low Earth orbit, um, and the reason that they are able to they orbit so much lower than a traditional satellite is that is because there are so many of them like we were saying before half of the satellites in orbit are made up of starlink satellites yeah so when you're be like okay well this is not going to stay in the same place so these star these satellites are going to be moving around the earth the whole time so how is that going to be reliable with your service provider well for now you might be on one but then once that zooms by because there's so many another one will fill its spot and you get good service from all of the all the yeah. satellites. However, it's so much closer and your signal has to travel less, making mm-hmm. it much faster internet. Yeah, so there's thousands of Starlink satellites in orbit above Earth and they're always zipping across the skies and they form a web. Um, and so one, when, like Will was saying, when one satellite is above you, you're getting internet from that satellite. But once that satellite flies over the horizon, 
another satellite flies into view Off and you're into suddenly the and you're suddenly getting internet from that satellite and the reason they can do this is because, is because there's so many of them right and there are uh new satellites being launched every week about i would estimate about 60 every week they launch about 60 with every uh falcon 9 launch um oh w- there's a story that i want to briefly tell um it was this winter i believe why doesn't he tell me any of the cool stories i've told you the story oh, okay um oh yeah he actually has this is cool yeah so it was earlier this winter i was going getting ready for hockey practice i load my stuff into the car this is nighttime of course is this one when i picked you up no um but i just there's this giant line of white dots zooming across the sky and for someone who wouldn't who if if let's say i was someone who didn't know about satellites and how they're launched i would think it was a ufo or something like that yeah and we're not going to leak our location but this is very rare for where we live like it wouldn't make sense it doesn't make that much sense well Given where they are launched, it just seems okay. a little bit. Um, I mean, just let, let shush. I, oh, my bad. <laughs> I'm interrupting. It's a cool story. Um, and I looked up. There's hunt. There's like dozens and dozens of white dots going across the sky. And um, I can pres- I presume that these were Starlink satellites that had just been launched because right after they're launched, they're all in a giant cluster together, and they make a giant line of white dots going across the sky. And you can tell they're satellites because Number one, they're moving really fast. And number two, they don't have any other blinking red or green lights like an airplane would. And so that's how you can identify a satellite in the sky. If you go and if you're like stargazing or something, it's fairly easy to spot satellites if you have a good enough eye. They're, like I was saying before, at least 19.5 out of 20 vision required. No, that's not true. Um, but yeah. Um, that's Blake's cool story. He saw yeah. a bunch of Starlink satellites. There's lots of satellites in orbit, and there's many launched every week. Um, so the question is, what are the benefits of having Starlink? So there are two main benefits of having Starlink. So first, Starlink satellites cover the entire world because they're constantly zipping around the whole globe, which means you have coverage anywhere. So like we talked about in our last episode about 5G, um, there are only you only have service when you're near cell towers. And there aren't very many cell towers in some rural areas or not just not any everywhere across the globe. Yeah, especially if you're in an airplane or if you're on a boat, there's no cell tower right now. There's next no to. cell tower with where near you. But there's always a satellite flying over you because there are so many. So you will have coverage anywhere you go, which is life changing for a lot of people. Yeah, for those that live in rural areas where um, these large uh, internet service providers aren't incentivized to to build cell towers because that isn't a smart business move yeah it's people who live there are are really good are prime customers for starlink because they there's a need yeah exactly they they're not they know they're not going to get any like cell towers from other companies however they can still have service because of this yeah um and soon or i think now currently starlink is selling special versions of their satellite dishes for boats and planes like i was saying earlier so if you're on a flight or if you're on a boat, you can still get internet, which is pretty cool. So the second benefit of Starlink is latency. Oh, so, this is actually, yeah. yeah. You can run a test on the latency compared to a normal yeah, one. This so, is mind-blowing. Yeah, so on the Starlink that. website, they have a little thing where you can see the latency difference between 
Starlink and traditional geostationary orbit satellites. So first explain what latency is. Yeah. Just for so everybody. latency is the round trip time it takes to send and receive data. So let's say you make a request, like you tap on a, a, a website. La- latency is the time that it takes for the website to actually open. So that, that signal, that message needs to be sent to the node, in which case it's a satellite and back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example, like we talked about, and this is the benefit of having a much lower orbit yeah. so like we talked about how there's the normal satellite dishes are or satellites are twenty two thousand feet above our surface Twenty thousand miles miles crazy and um uh the starlink ones are only 340 the round trips are much faster because they have to travel a much smaller distance yeah the speed of light is always constant so it's oh it's speed just, of light yeah okay so yeah. yeah because radio waves are light oh, yeah okay, okay um the speed of light is always constant so if something is further away, it's going to take longer to send and receive that signal. Um, the geostationary orbit is much further away. Starlink is about six six thousand three hundred and fifty two percent lower than a traditionary traditional geostationary internet satellite. So, in one second, a geostationary uh, satellite can do four round trips. But in Starlink, it can do 280 round trips. And, and the difference there is yeah. just ridiculous. And the reason it can do that is because it's so much closer to the person who is sending and receiving the signals. Yeah, like we said, the light's not traveling any faster when you're with Starlink, but it's so much closer. And because there's so many of them, you won't lose data. Yeah, so AKA, all of this means that the speeds you're going to get with Starlink are much, much faster than you're going to get from a traditional geostationary satellite so for those who care about the numbers most of you probably aren't going to understand this but that's about 25 milliseconds of latency compared to about 600 milliseconds of latency which is um, quite a lot pov we're doing an ad for starlink we're not uh, yeah i'm just kidding um and even compared to traditional cell towers not the geostationary orbit satellites traditional cell towers even compared to them starlink is pretty fast right um, but now we're going to get to the part where you guys actually clicked on this episode and how Starlink is saving Ukraine. Yeah, and also keep in mind, geostationary orbit satellites, they can only cover one area. But Starlink can carry the whole world, can cover the whole world, like we were saying before. Yeah, we've said that. I, but also cell towers and the geostationary orbit satellites. Because geostationary orbit is only over one specific location. Yeah, so like when you're on a boat or a plane, you can get service. Like, so, yeah, yeah, yes, because covering the whole globe is Starlink. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We said that. Yes, okay. Okay. So, how is Starlink being used to save Ukraine, you might be asking? Yes. So, basically, in an attempt to disconnect Ukraine from itself and the rest of the world, Russia has been um, attacking and targeting uh, critical infra- internet infrastructure in Ukraine. So, for example, they are targeting and destroying cell towers, phone lines, etc., so this makes Ukraine not able to communicate with each other in the army, and that is a major problem because communication is needed for a successful fight. Yeah. So Starlink has restored connections in Ukraine. It's the primary system of communication in the Ukrainian army. Yeah. Um, there's some a little confusion over who's actually funding this. Um, Ukraine's deputy prime minister for innovation, education, science, and technology tweeted that Elon Musk was, quote, among the world's top private donors supporting Ukraine, Starlink is an essential element of our critical infrastructure. So Elon himself said that 
even though Starlink was losing millions of dollars on a monthly basis, he it's would, a great like investment. It's good yeah, for the world. he would continue to fund the Ukrainian government for free. But then it also seems that the Biden administration has also donated Starlink satellites. Um, but regardless of who's funding it, it's good for Ukraine because Starlink, like we were talking about, all those benefits of the Starlink method, they are all those benefits are what's helping Ukraine. You Starlink is a unique way to get internet, and it's actually ideal for Ukraine. And Russia has been trying to also target the Starlink, and like even in space, targeting mm-hmm. the Starlink satellites. Which can they even do that? Like, how do you I mean, under international law? No, but like well, okay, are they? Russia's like, kind of thrown everything out the door. No, I agree. Not we're not going to get into <laughs> we're not going to get into political. war talk, but um. I feel like if you, ha- I mean, even though 340 miles above the surface isn't insanely high compared to another satellite or anything, 340 miles above is like what? Thir- 340 Mount Everest stacked on top of each other? Or no, no, like, like it's pretty high. It's I like mean, 100 Mount Everest stopped stacked on top of each other. Like, how is someone gonna get something to destroy those satellites? Other satellites. <laughs> oh, actually. Yeah. Okay, so that's how you would do it. Or just rocket that 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 part's not that difficult. But oh, okay, really? the thing with Starlink is SpaceX is planning to expand no it even more. So currently, there's a little over four thousand Starlink satellites in orbit. But SpaceX plans to get forty-two thousand satellites in the next two decades, which is, according to my calculations, over ten times more in the next two decades. 42,000 satellites compared to 4,000. I mean, we're just going to be looking up and seeing a line of white dots everywhere we go. Which brings up another topic of discussion, which is... What happens when the satellites fall? No. Well, oh. yes. But also with um, like people that are stargazing and people who do that kind of stuff for their like research and... Like universities, when they're looking through telescopes. Colt Inman was right. Whenever there's a good, there's a bad. Yes. It's wise. Because the thing is, if you're taking a long exposure telescopic image, uh-huh. which is what most of the telescopic images are. It has to gather the it has pixels to, and data basic, from a lot of different Well, shots. it's looking up at the sky for a long time. can be hours upon end. Mm-hmm. And you have to make sure that there aren't any satellites in the way, which has a giant like white streak across the image. Mm-hmm. Because would... you can predict the course of the moon and all these other planets, but you can't predict all the thousands of satellites that are in Well, orbit. I'm sure we can figure something out, like a tracking system for Well, that's satellites. what we need. We need government regulation that is going to regulate. Well, how, is, how is SpaceX going to do this? Because I feel like out of all people, like... Well, this what is if... an international issue. I agree. But like, for example, what if... We're trying to launch a lot of rockets, and there's tons of satellites. How do we avoid course with that? And like, we, if, if if we're putting this many satellites, I into mean, the this world, is uncharted territory, right? This like, is uncharted territory. We we've never really done anything like this before on such a large scale. It's difficult to regulate, especially when there's so many different parties involved, and everyone has different interests. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be interesting how we're able to get everything in order and make sure that. Because, I mean, the, the consequences could be pretty disastrous. And not just your telescopic images getting ruined, but... No, there's a lot of bigger problems than that. Space junk. Yeah, all exactly. Stuff. There's legitimate concerns with having so many satellites in orbit. 
like yeah i mean and it's maybe i mean how good is this for the environment yeah. like how are we going to clear this for like space exploration or anything like this if there's a border blocking something and you can't get by without tons of satellites whizzing by yeah i think people forget space is still really big so no. it's not like we're not no 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 like getting out of the earth is, yeah I, i'm not saying the not. satellites are going to like once we're in the middle of space yes i'm not saying the yeah, earth okay. satellites are going to affect us but like how are we going to if there's 42,000 satellites in the air and we're trying to launch a rocket how do you get by without a satellite without not coming path of the satellite yeah that's what that's what i was just saying we need regulation we yeah. need a way to keep track of all the stuff that's in our atmosphere i know so that's a really hot topic of discussion right now yeah we and should maybe do like an episode on a full yeah. breakdown of this and i'm not sure like how realistic this is in like the close future but like at what point does these satellites not just being able to spin around with the earth because they're not spinning at the same rate the earth is like what if like can you take these satellites down yeah that's another thing how to safely do because at some point even right now there are decommissioned satellites that serve no purpose because they're old and in the future if we're going to launch even more of these satellites there's going to be so many that that problem is going to become more prevalent as time goes on so how to safely deorbit satellites because you can't just leave them sitting up there and eventually they could fall down eventually they're going to fall down because in order to maintain speed because even in space there's still some friction um because especially in low earth orbit it's not a total vacuum so eventually it's going to slow down and slow down and it would drop so places like the international space station so catastrophic have to keep pumping themselves back up to make sure they don't fall so how to safely deorbit you know where to deorbit there's lots of things to and work. like remember that episode we talked about about like building that like pole that went all the way up to like this, lower the space elevator the space elevator yeah the space elevator how do we how does that become a possibility with all this stuff yeah like, there's so much to consider space policy yeah space policy and how as our lives are too basic becomes, for this as technology becomes more advanced how to do space policy and who's going to be leading in that, how to, you know, make that come to fruition. Mm-hmm. You know, is it the UN, all this sort of stuff. Um, but that is to be determined. That is not our jobs. That is... I was just going to say, like, this is too com- This is too much to think about. Like, how... Are- I mean, there's just, like, something... Yeah. Just don't worry about it, guys. Yeah. So, do you want to head into trivia? Let's head into trivia. Okay, so for those who are unfamiliar, uh, this is our trivia round where Will and I both both ask each other five questions. Whoever gets the most right wins the episode. All if right. you're new, I also always win every single time. That's that's not true at all. Um, I think I'll start us off. Yeah, like always. So the original iPhone was released in 2007. I knew that. At the time of the release, how much did it cost for the base four gigabyte version? Okay, if I get close, you have to give it to me. Round to the nearest hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Four hundred dollars. It cost four hundred and ninety nine dollars, which rounds up to five hundred dollars. So that is incorrect. Dang it. Well, you know what? Whatever. HTTP stands for Hypertext Transfer Protocol. Okay, bud. Such a nerd. Okay, 
how many is a baker's dozen? Oh, 13. That's correct. I think those are both questions we've already asked each other. I'm almost certain you've asked me that before. I haven't asked you that Okay. You've asked me that one before. Okay. What animal or what, yeah, what animals are pearls found in? Um, oysters? Yep. Uh, I'm starting oh. off with easy ones. I got some harder questions, but So do I. Okay. This is this is an easy one. All right. I would be sad if you didn't get this. Dude, he's he every single time he what says What does NASA stand for? Uh National Aerospace or Aerodynamic Space Association? Close. You got the second word incorrect. It's National Aeronautics and Space Administration. I, I knew that. Oh. Okay, wait. So, what, quick pause. Two to one. Okay. What was the first episode? When, like, what year? And you're pretty good at this because you always somehow manage to pull these out, even if you don't know. <laughs> this is true. Um, okay. What year was the first episode of South Park aired? So it's been I've, a while. I've like never even seen South Park. I know neither have I, but it's like it's, it's uh, been around for a while. Nineteen seventy. Oh no no! I'll give you another guess. It's it's more recent. Oh okay. Nineteen ninety eight. I mean, the fact that he was that close. Nineteen ninety seven. I mean, dang this kid. Okay, your okay. turn. Um. Uh, what is, is wait? Quick, quick stop. Two uh, to one. That's it's two to one. Yeah. Oh, we're both the last three. Okay. What is Delhi short for? That's just a good question. I know. I didn't, I was just curious, and I was like, what is Delhi short for? Because it sounds like it's short for something, and I looked it up. I don't know. Uh, delicatessen. Mm, that's a hard one. Okay. I know. This one is also hard, but it's like, it's good for knowledge. So, who is, like, often credited as building the first car? Uh, Henry, Henry Ford? No. Carl Benz. Carl Benz. Okay. Mercedes Benz. Got it. Uh, okay. Okay. So I, I, I have to get this right, or else you win. Yeah, this right. Okay. So this is a different trivia question. It's a little different. I am going to give you three facts about a country, and you have to tell me what the country Ooh. is. Okay. I like it. Okay. I like it. I like Fact the number one: uh, the primary colors in its flag are red, white, and blue. Yeah. Three primary colors. Okay. Fact number two. Uh, it was formerly under, it was formerly owned by the United States. Uh, it was acquired from Spain in 1898 by the United States. It's no longer under the United States. It's its own country. It's its own country. Okay. Fact number three. It consists of 7,641 islands. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. What is your final guess? Okay, so I'm. But the Bahamas aren't red, white, and blue. But I'm thinking. Okay, the, I actually have a good guess here. The British Virgin Islands. No. The, the Caribbean. The Philippines. The Philippines. That's a good one. Yeah. I was gonna like the Caribbean. Okay. Okay. Well, just for fun, it's like the first time Blake's ever won, guys. <laughs> That's not true. Soccer players, like professional soccer players, have how many players on the start on the field that start a match for each team, including goaltenders? 
Yes. Eleven. Okay. Did I get that right? Yeah. Let's go. I'm sorry. I I should have known the NASA one. I I, I was close. You yeah. Know. I was there, but I wasn't there. I think we should do more of those country questions. Those are fun. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Blake's a nerd because he does GeoGuessr all day. What? Like okay. about countries, not like a like a like a all right. country uh, knows all this, this stuff. This is fun. Yeah, if you're seeing this on video, this is the first time we've ever done this, but we're probably not going to. I mean, we're probably not going to upload this on on video. We might. Yeah, we we're, we're experimenting. Okay, love you guys. See ya. Bye.